0: The Lord's been speaking to us individually, personally, but I will also believe as a congregation to move forward. And you might think, well, that sounds pretty simplistic. Bit of a cliche, Stew, don't you think? No. He wants us to move forward. It's also a time to refocus on the throne of heaven. We tend to focus on circumstances around us, the natural realm. Throughout the year, this last year, I believe the Lord is saying, I want you. And when I say you, I'm talking about the remnant. I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about the body of believers. Don't get intertwined in the things that are going on so much around you, you lose sight of what I'm doing in in heaven. Don't lose sight of the things, the kingdom things that I'm doing right now on planet earth. So it's a time to refocus and move forward. There's a difference between moving forward and just moving on. You see, you hear that a lot. Just move on. Move on. But moving on tends to means forget about anything in the past. And I'm not saying forget about the things of the past. What I'm saying is deal with them in a biblical way, the things of the past, whether they be disappointments, frustrations, hurts, wounds from the past, The Lord provides a way for us to deal with those things. It's not just about moving on. It's moving forward, and He wants us to move forward in His power, in His glory, in His authority, and we can't be carrying the baggage that we brought with us. He wants us to deal with those things. Today, I want to talk about three things, real briefly, but three things. When I say briefly, you know what that means, right? Repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. We move forward with re- repentance, reconciliation, and there's a difference in restoration. We're going to talk about that today. Scripture that I want to look at start with is in First Samuel chapter three, verse one. <clears throat> now the boy Samuel or Shmuel. What does Shmuel mean? Anybody? God hears? Hear to hear. Shmuel. Hear. God hears or to hear from God. The boy Shmuel was in the service of Adonai under Eli. In those days, the word of Adonai was rare. There were no visions breaking through. And we hear that the word of God was rare and there were no visions breaking through. And, and as I look at that and I'm pondering on that, I say, Lord, what does that mean? It wasn't that God wasn't speaking, is that they weren't hearing God. And there was no breakthrough in Israel at the time. What is the context of the letter and or the, the, the book of, of Samuel? And it's kind of like, The bookends of 1 Samuel is, we have the birth of one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history, Shmuel. And then at the end of Samuel, it ends with the death of the first king of Israel. So it's kind of bookends. And this is a hinge time for Israel. The context is this, this is the era where the judges were ruling in Israel until they demand a king. But what happened was with the judges and many of the judges and also the kings and the priests had become corrupted. As you read in chapters 1 and 2 of Samuel, Eli was the, the, the priest and then his sons Hophni and Pinchas, Phinehas, Pinchas, it's Hebrews, Pincus. They were corrupt self-serving, even violent, sexually immoral, dishonoring. And that's what had come into the leadership in the body at that time. And so the word of God was rare because they really weren't seeking the word of the Lord. They were seeking to please themselves. There was much chaos. And God speaks to them. And if you go to, if you turn with me to... 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. God uses Shmuel to speak to the children of Israel during this time. In verse 14, he says, If you fear Adonai and worship him and listen to his voice and do not rebel against the commands of Adonai, then both you as well as the king who reigns over you will be following Adonai your God. This is a word... And Israel, God always uses, the scriptures use Israel as is an example for us. If we're seeking after God and we are, and our leaders are seeking after him, things are going to go well for us. It goes on in verse 15. But if you do not listen to the voice of Adonai and rebel against the command of Adonai, then the hand of Adonai will be against you and against your father's. See, they revered God, but then they later rejected God. They demanded a king. And who was supposed to be their king? The king, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was to be their king. But they said, no, that's not good enough. We want to be like everybody else. And this is our lessons for today, as that was a hinge time for the, for the people of Israel it's a hinge time for us today as the ecclesia. And when I say ecclesia, I want us to know that what I'm talking about is the governing authority that we have in the body of Messiah the ecclesia. God is looking to us right now in this time of uncertainty, this tumultuous time, this time of, of chaos, time of disappointment, time where it seems like, doesn't it look like evil is triumphing? You know, we all say, man, and it's happened so quickly, but has it happened so quickly? No, it's just been, it's just been a, a steady progression of this. It seems like it's coming to, this, coming to a head now. But God wants to deal with us, and I believe all the shakings of the last year were to wake up the bride, to wake up the body and say, guys, we need to deal with our stuff. Just like God dealt with Eli and his sons in that day, he wants to deal with us. We're not to be observers and just saying, look what's happening over there. Look what's happening over there. Bad, bad. Look what's happening. Look at us. Look how good we are. God wants us to bring change. But we have to look inside at our own attitudes. Inside, we have to identify those things in us. And God's been speaking to some of us about certain things that we need to get rid of out of our lives. Whether it be too much TV Or too much this or too much that. God is saying, I want you to deal with those things and bring them to the cross. And that's the only way we can deal with it is to bring it to the cross. The cross is a place of death, but it's also a place of exchange. It's a place where we walk into life and we're able to move forward when we apply the cross to our own lives, our attitudes, even our sins, even the self-serving things that we are still doing. And I also believe, and this is for us today, that God is calling for kingdom mothers and fathers to establish a clear standard of morality that others will follow. Now, you might be past the childbearing age, or you may not have children at all. It's not about that, but it's about if you are walking with the lord you you have and there's a maturity there god is calling us to be fathers and mo- mothers spiritual fathers and mothers with a clear standard of morality that others will follow you see our my generation the baby boomer generation we had all the answers and we knew what we were doing and we did it all right yeah we thought we had it all together in the 60s and 70s, and how's that working out for us, guys? We've become kind of like a Hoffney Phineas generation of leaders. Wow. You know, we're looking for the good stuff. We're looking for the perks. Lawlessness has increased, but we've lost, we've let our love grow cold in many ways. We've compromised. And when I say we, I'm talking about leadership in the body of Messiah, not just here in America, but worldwide, but I'm talking mainly about here in America. We've become compromised, corrupted. It talks about the priesthood in 1 Samuel, but in many ways, we have become just like that. Because we've attempted to be relevant, more relevant with the people, instead of setting a a a standard of righteousness and holiness that God says. He's our plumb line, by the way. Not, you know, the whole thing with seeker-friendly congregations and churches over the last 20 and 30 years to reach people and to bring them in and using entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if that becomes the focus and we lose the holiness of God, we're in trouble. The baby boomer generation and leadership has attempted to be relevant and they've allowed compromise in sin in the body. Sex before marriage is tolerated. Pornography in the pulpit, 50%. It's it's not estimated. There are surveys that 50% of, of ministers in the pulpit engage in pornography at least once a month. We're too focused on social issues, political control, and all of these things. And the result has been little or no fear of the Lord. And God is saying, I want holiness returned back to my bride. Now, holiness is not about, holiness is not about, oh, a person who is just so spiritual, you're afraid to approach them. Or they're so, they know all the, the, the scriptures and they quote them all. That's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But holiness is that sense of consecration to the Lord. A sense of being married to the Lord. A sense of not wanting to engage in the things of the world any longer. But hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's what holiness is. And God wants that restored to his body. How can we expect things to change in the world if we're not changing, if we're allowing compromise in our own lives? You look at the life of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. God is raising up Hannah's to birth and nurture Samuels for the next generation. You may not be a female, but you can be a Hannah in the spiritual realm. What was her life like? She was married, but her husband had another wife. Her husband loved her, but the other wife was providing kids and children. Hannah was barren. She she went through a whole lot of ridicule and rejection. But if you read about her, she she was faithful to her God. She persevered through prayer and barrenness and in hardship. And if you look and you read her prayer when she consecrated her son, and I believe it's in chapter two, her prayer that she was thankful and bold and confident, and she was consecrated to the Lord. And she was willing to give her, God blessed her with a son after barrenness. And she gave him back to the Lord. First, talk about a first fruits offering. She gave her son back to the service of the temple. And you know what God did? He says, I love that. Blessed her with three more sons and a daughter. But her example to us of being faithful in prayer, faithful in the midst of persecution and rejection. And I believe, and I'm just throwing this out because I really believe there's going to be more rejection coming against us. There's going to be persecution breaking out against us. And it's not a thus saith the Lord. I just, as I read the scriptures, I just sense that we're entering into a time when we are going to be thrown all kinds of things. And we need to be in the place of that closet, that prayer closet, more than ever before. Because God is wanting us to be in alignment with his purposes on planet earth. So the three areas that I want to talk about is repentance and reconciliation and restoration. This is what he's speaking to us during this season. True repentance is needed today to deal with the issues of self-control and addictions and sins in the body. We can go out into the world and point at people and say, look what you do. That's evil. That's bad. That's sin. My Bible says it's sin. But let's start in the house. God wants to deposit his glory in us. But he wants, us, he wants to sweep away all the stuff that's keeping his glory. He His desire for his, is for his glory to fall on us. But we need to get rid of all the stuff so that we can receive his glory. Does that make sense? I remember years ago when we were in Youth with a Mission and um, the founder and president, Lauren Cunningham, was just talking and it's just kind of a question and answer and he was asked, you know, what is one of the greatest requirements of leadership? And I think without hesitating, he said, self-control. Self-control. The opposite of self-control is being self-indulgent. It's basically being out of control. And allowing other things to take control of us instead of being under self-control. It's one of the fruit of the Ruach HaKodesh. As spiritual parents, and you may not be a parent where your, par- your children may be grown up, but in some ways we are still par- spiritual parents to the next generation. We need to teach our children to, be, to make more righteous choices. I love it when Millie goes, when we're grandkids, And she's always saying, make righteous choices. Make righteous choices to our kids. Yeah, Nani, we get it. Yeah, Nani, we get it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. We're gonna continue to remind them. Make righteous life life choices. Righteous life choices. There's a lot of choices out there, but not everything is gonna bring life to us. Not everything's gonna bring that relationship that God wants us to have with him and with others. Secondly, he wants us to actively pursue deliverance and break strongholds that have been in our lives and in our family lines. Last week at our men's retreat, the theme was being generational curse breakers. You know, that's one of the roles of a father is to break curses over their kids. You might think, well, you know, I got saved, I'm born again, I'm, I'm free of the curse. But there are generational things that are carried over. If you have a propensity to do something and there's patterns in your life and you know it's not right, say, Lord, show me what to do. Not just for you, but for your children and for your children's children. That's what generational curse-breaking is all about. And God wants us to become that, to apply his blood, and to share testimonies of victory, not just in our own lives, but in our children's lives. The word in Revelation 12 is that we overcome the accuser of our brethren. First of all, there is an accuser out there. And he is working double time, overtime, to accuse us and to bring back things from our past. We have overcome the accuser of our brothers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. When God does something in you by his blood, brings healing or restoration or deliverance, breaking bondages, you share that testimony because there's power when you share your testimony to somebody else. Repentance is a decision by the whole man to completely turn our lives around. Well, I repented in september nineteen seventy nine and I came to know the Lord well, that's good. Is that the last time you repented? Repentance is an ongoing intentional and relentless not as a not as a uh, condemnation kind of thing. It's turning our whole, our our bodies, our minds, our attitudes, our hearts to walk in his ways, forsaking those other things that we were walking in. That's what repentance is, is turning of the whole body. Yeshua, in speaking about his upcoming crucifixion, he's telling his disciples, they probably didn't get it at the time, but they would soon says, he's going to Jerusalem, and this is what's going to happen to him. He's going to be turned over. He's going to be accused. He's going to be murdered. He's going to be killed. But he says to them, he says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. How many of us love to hear that? Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. Luke 9.23. That is the key to repentance that is the key to a fruitful productive life is denying ourselves picking up our cross once in a while pick up your cross daily and follow me the accuser never ceases accusing you of things and throwing up your lies and throwing up the past and that's where we have to pick up that cross daily and you put that lie on the cross if it means every hour you do it you continue to do that up your cross daily and follow me. That's repentance. We need to be living in a lifestyle of repentance. And I believe that God is saying to his ecclesia, to his body, to his bride, Repent of the things that you've done in the past. His love is incredible. His love is kindness towards us, but he wants us to forsake the things of the past and refocus on kingdom stuff. And I have to admit, over the last year, I have been distracted by other things, and I've had to repent. It's not like God beating me up and saying, you better do this. It's like, oh, yeah, I have forsaken. Yeah, Lord, I'm turning back to you. I'm turning back to you. I'm turning back to your word, and and spending time in that place of prayer, repentance. Secondly, reconciliation. Reconciliation is the process of cleaning up the mess that you've left behind. Making things right with others. Reconciliation. In chapter 5 of Matthew, Yeshua says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering upon the altar, which is your Prayer closet. And there remember that your brother has something against you. In other words, you've done something and he has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister. And then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent. Goes on. Reconciliation. Cleaning up things that you made a mess of. Making things right again. It goes beyond forgiveness. Forgiveness is just receiving what God gave, he forgave us. We forgive other people. But if there's something that needs to be reconciled, and forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation or necessarily lead to reconciliation. It goes beyond that. Sometimes you're not even able to reconcile with a person that you, had, you need to forgive or that's forgiven you because maybe they've passed away or maybe it's an abusive relationship or something where reconciliation is just not even in the car. It's not, it's not an option for you. But to move forward, we need to be in that place of reconciliation, making things right with others to move forward, to do the, the ability we can we, to be reconciled to those that you have been wronged by or that you have wronged. Make it right. And thirdly, the area of restoration. Restoration first back to God. First back to God. Relationship with God is first and foremost. Next, the family. And I really believe that God is bringing restoration into families where there has been estrangement, where there's been brokenness, where there's been pain, where there's been silence from children and from parents or whatever. God is wanting to bring reconciliation. And God is the author of restoration restoration, to bring back to the family and then also to be reconciled and to be restored in the body. And then possibly, and, you know, we've seen a lot of ministers who have fallen, you know. And then, you know, sometimes their reconciliation or their repentance is, and then there's this, and then, you know. But it's oftentimes just to get back into doing the ministry again. And God may say, no, I don't want that to to happen again. But if possible, maybe restored back in the ministry, restoration. I remember years ago, again, when we were in Youth with a Mission, and uh, one, of our, one of the leaders in YWAM, and he, and he fell, and it was a sexual sin. And uh, it was a pretty horrendous. He was very well known, not just in our mission, but worldwide. And uh, he was a musician, and he was caught in a sin. And I remember when he came before, he came before the staff, all of us on staff at the time, the YWIM base, about a hundred people, shared what had happened, repented, and there was reconciliation, but then he was in a process of restoration, and that process of restoration went on for a few years, where there was accountability. He was not in ministry, he was being restored first to God, then to his wife and his children, And then God released him after several years back into the ministry. And guess what? His ministry was more fruitful and productive than it was before. But most of us try to sidestep that issue of restoration. It's too long. We've got to get back into the ministry. People need to hear what I have to say. No, they don't. They don't necessarily need to hear what you have to say, but God is more interested in your character than he is in blessing other people and and your comfort and your wanting to do ministry. Sometimes my need to do ministry is more than your need to hear from me. Think about that one. Turn to John chapter six, and this is Yeshua. I read this a couple of weeks ago, but I just, I want us to, To look at these verses, and I remember still, even when I read these words, some of the hardest words, some of the hardest teachings that Yeshua ever taught. Starting in verse 55, some of the most misunderstood teaching of Yeshua. John chapter 6, verse 55. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who eats of me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. We heard that this morning in our Torah portion. The bread that came down from heaven gives us life, sustenance, everything we need is in that bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread your fathers ate and then they died. He who eats this bread will live forever. It's about continually eating from Yeshua, eating his body and drinking his blood. Now, are we talking about cannibalism? Of course not in his blood is power. In his blood is healing. In his blood is deliverance. In his blood is salvation. And when we are living and feasting on him and his blood, that's true life. There's nothing in the world that can satisfy me except for him. You might get temporary satisfaction from the things of the world, but I guarantee it, and you already know it, it doesn't last Pleasures for a season. Verse 59. He said these things while teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. Verse 60. So when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? But Yeshua knew his disciples were murmuring. Murmuring. We heard the children of Israel today were murmuring at the the streams of the springs of Mara—they're always murmuring. Boy, not like us today. We never murmur, do we? They were murmuring. What does the teacher who can listen to it? But Yeshua said to his disciples, "We're murmuring." So he said to them, "Thank you, dear. Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man going back up to the place where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life." This is what he's saying. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no benefit. The words I have spoken to you are spirit. They are life. Some of you do not trust. Yeshua knew from the beginning. Who were the ones who did not trust as well as the ones which would betray him? And then move down to... um, Well, verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples left and quit walking with him. He obviously was not a very good church builder. People were leaving instead of coming in, you know? And, but like I said earlier, what Yeshua says to die to yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Not everybody's gonna wanna do that. But I believe everybody in this room, we've gotta, we understand the days that we're in And we want to follow after the Lord. We're really willing to die to ourselves and follow him. So they walked away. And so Yeshua said to the 12, you don't want to leave also, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have trusted and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter got it. Peter got it. The Holy One of God. Do we really know Yeshua as the Holy One of God? Are we willing to die to ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him? Because he's the Holy One of God. That's the question that's being asked of us today. Am I able to trust him for everything? Am I able to trust him to transform who I am, to transform me. See this, the word of Yeshua is our only true plumb line. What he says is our plumb line. Am I measuring up, am I, am I measuring my life and my behavior by what, I'm, by what he is saying or by what I am Am I letting the circumstances dictate my choices? I want to bring things to a close. I want to talk about another pincus. Phinehas, we talked about Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, corrupt, sexually immoral. God dealt with them in a, bad, in, in a, in a tough way. Took them out and Eli, Eli, was, it was bad. But there's another Phinehas in the scriptures. You know where that's at? It's in the, in the Torah, in, in Numbers chapter 25. And uh, let me give you a little bit of a context here before I read the scriptures. What's going on with the children of Israel? There's sexual sexual immorality and that, that men are having sexual relations with the Moabites, with pagans. And they start worshiping their gods, turning away from the true God. And they are bringing the sin that they were involved in. They were so proud of it, they were bringing it right into their tent, right into their meetings with God. And there was a couple. There was one guy, an Israelite, and he brought in his Moabite prostitute and into the the meeting. And this is where the story picks up in Numbers chapter 25, verse 10. Well, we know what happened is that Phinehas took a spear and he ran through both of them. And we're not allowed to do that today. Hallelujah. But there's something here. God saw that act of Phinehas. The zealousness of him, and he, man, he was like, that's what I want my body to be like. That's what I want my people to be, people to be like. In Numbers 25, starting in verse 10, it says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the Cohen, has turned away my anger for Bnei Israel, because he was very zealous for me among them, so that I did not put an end to Bnei Israel in my zeal. So now say, see, this is what God is saying about Pincus, about Phineas. He says, see, I am making with him a covenant of shalom. It will be for him and his descendants after him, a covenant of everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and atoned for B'nai Israel. The same God that says that and speaks that and makes covenant with Phinehas is saying that to us. Deal with these things ruthlessly. Get rid of those things. Turn back to me and we will enter into that covenant of shalom with him. God makes an everlasting covenant with him and his families. See, his actions purchase grace and freedom for the entire family. That's why I'm saying, as spiritual parents, we have the ability and we have the authority to break off generational curses in our family so that there will be peace in our family. Because God is the same then as he is today. I believe that with all of my heart. Will we become, uh, will we be uncompromised in our walking after the Lord, denying ourselves. Will we be a voice of truth? Taking the spear of Phineas to our own flesh, into our own sins. I'm not talking about taking a sin out to you know, taking a spear and killing people. I'm not talking about that at all, but dealing with those things in our lives, our flesh and our sin, in a way that God says, Yes, I'm entering into a covenant of peace with him and his children. It's powerful. God is a jealous father. He's a jealous father who invites us into the realm of holiness and intimacy. And I don't know about you, but God is calling us into that place of holiness so that we would just be hungering and thirsting after him. And all the other stuff is going to be like eating sawdust. We won't want it anymore. We won't want anything to do with it anymore. It's time for the plumb line to be dropped in our lives. Turn to Amos chapter seven and I'm gonna close with this. Wendy if you and Mary if you would come up and prepare for some worship. It's a fascinating passage of scripture in Amos chapter seven, starting in verse one. This is what my Lord Adonai has shown me. Behold he was forming locusts at the beginning of the spring crop after the cutting of the king's hay. When the locust swarm had finished devouring the vegetation of the land, I said, Adonai Elohim, please pardon. How can Jacob stand for he is small? It's like COVID was sent, okay? Doing damage. The prophet says, man, Lord, forgive us. We repent. We're small. We can't handle this. Adonai relented concerning this. Praise God. It shall not be, Adonai says. Verse 4, this is what my Lord Adonai has shown me. Behold, Adonai Elohim was calling for trial by fire. And it would have devoured the great deep and it would have devoured the territory. But I said, my Lord, Adonai, stop, please. How can Jacob stand for he is small? Whatever the next thing that's coming, it's going to be great. It's going to be huge. And the prophet stands up and says, God, we can't handle this. We're too small. Adonai relented concerning this. This also shall not happen, says my Lord, Adonai. Two times, God relents. God stops what's going to be coming. Verse 7, this is what he has revealed to me. Behold, my Lord was standing by a vertical wall. In his hand was a plumb line. And in in his hand was a plumb line. Then Adonai said to me, what do you see, Amos? I said, a plumb line. Then my Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. It's not in here, but it's his name is Yeshua. His name is Yeshua. I will no longer pass over them. So the high places of Isaac will become desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel will be laid waste. And I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. We have a plumb line. His name is Yeshua. Beside us, you know what a plumb line is. I forgot to ask. You all know what a plumb line. Tom would know. It's, it's when you to have straight, you hold a with a with a weight at the bottom, and so that way you have a it's it's plumb. Otherwise, you build up a wall, and pretty soon it's going to be leaning over because it's not plumb. His name is Yeshua. I want us to stand. God is speaking to us. Get ready for the things that are before us. Get ready. But in all of our disappointments and angers and the questions and a lot of us have questions, especially over the events of the last months. A lot of questions. And to be honest, some of us we haven't received the answers that we wanted either. But we are the people of God and we cry out to God and we rid ourselves And this is where we want us to really search our own hearts, rid ourselves of idolatry, compromise, addictions, where we've allowed the flesh to take control of our lives. The plumb line is laid before us. Yeshua is our plumb line. Can we be bold in speaking truth, in love, and yet be humble? Yes, because Yeshua is our plumb line. Can we ask the Father to give us the heart of love and and desire for holiness? Yes, because He is our plumb line. He wouldn't ask us to do something if He knew it was impossible for us to do. He's laid Yeshua as our plumb line. Ask the Father for that heart of love. Ask the Father for that hunger, for that, that thirsting after righteousness and and holiness to become more like Him. Don't enter into the same spirit of those who oppose God's ways. And I've seen a lot of that. You go on Facebook, you go on social media, and you see a lot of the same spirit that are those opposing God. We're, We're doing the same thing with others. Don't enter into the same spirit. We are of a different spirit. We have the Ruach HaKodesh living in us. Yeshua is our plumb line in that area. Today we recommit ourselves. This is part of that refocusing. That's why God wants us to be, to repent and to be reconciled and to be restored. Because we need to recommit to seeing the salvation. Of people, to the Jew, to the Gentile. I want us to move forward. I want to see people saved in our congregations. I want to see people saved in the streets and saying, I need to go to Shabbat service because God is doing something in me. I want to see a, a recommitment in us to see people delivered, delivered of, of demons, de- demon oppression and, and, and all of these things. And I want to see people healed I want to see the power of the blood of Yeshua released, that people are being healed. I want to see Jews and Gentiles coming into our congregation because they've been touched by the hand of God. He's our plumb line, folks, each and every one of us. He's calling us to eat his word, to drink his blood. You know what I mean? To abide in him. When we abide in him and his word, he abides in us. Father, we say, yes, here we are. We're your children, but we're also your ecclesia. We have authority from you. And Lord, I know there's been a lot of stuff that has come upon us over the last year. We're dealing with personal things in our families. We're also dealing with a a nation that is sick. The Father, that we would not be discouraged any longer because you have plans and purposes that have not yet been fulfilled. And you are going to use us to bring your plans and purposes to fruition. And so we say, thank you, Lord, that you have given us a plumb line and his name is Yeshua HaMashiach. Perfect, precious, holy. If we've seen him, we've seen the Father. So, Father, we make our recommitment today to acknowledge you in every way. Lord, deal with the things in our own lives that you're dealing with, Lord. And I know many of you, God's been speaking to you and we've talked to you and God is revealing things from the past and in his loving way, he's bringing restoration. He's bringing reconciliation. He's bringing healing into your lives. And I really believe that healing in our soul is connected to our healing in our bodies. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're doing all of this as we acknowledge you and see you as our plumb line. You are our plumb line. Precious Yeshua, we love you. Let's just worship him because he is holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh.